Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die, and with me as always is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley from New Orleans, and uh, what's up, Ian? Oh, man. Uh, good week, and uh, excited. We are still kicking ass with our fundraiser, Yeah. but uh, we could use a lot more, and I'm going to have exciting news. Uh, I, I can't confirm it yet, but either next week or the week after that about hotel accommodations. Because okay. it, it looks like I'm going to have something set up to where all of us are going to be in the same hotel. And this is a nice hotel, and we're going to get a good price. You know, you just got to let people know, hey, I'm in town for the, the Nashville Rocket Pod Expo. And this way, man, not only will we be partying at the event, but we're going to be partying the night before, the night of, possibly the night after. We're all going to be in the same place, and... Uh, as soon as I can announce concrete plans, I'm going to let you know so you guys can start, you know, making your reservations and getting everything ready because this ball is rolling. We're doing real good, but we want to do more. I've seen some people, holy shit, DJ Bushy just donated for the third time. And starting next week, uh, we're going to start airing podcasts from people who have donated 40 or more uh, who are picking their own episodes. That's right. Uh, next week, we're going to review... Uh, I ain't gonna say it, but yeah, it's yeah. somebody that paid enough and he requested that we requested an album. Woo, I dodged the bullet on that one. It's a good album. Uh, but uh, there's one that's really fucking bad. But I'm sure some of you nimwits will love it. But uh, yeah, and I think you guys are gonna get real excited when you hear, you know, these other people letting their voice be heard and getting to hear what they want. And you can do that too if you donate. I've seen a lot of people donate multiple times, but I've seen some of you ain't donated at all and not everybody has to do you know the the huge donations but i know some of you there's some albums out there you'd love to hear and here's your chance to get it done and and pronto because we're really getting the ball rolling on this thing and we are pushing back episodes we already did to accommodate the people that already uh asked for episodes i've been in new york all week i just got back the other day so we didn't have time to do it this week for this sunday so you know uh, we got an older episode to air today, but uh, we're going to work on it this weekend, and we're going to start airing them as, well, well let, let me put it this way. The episodes we've already done, they're not going to be aired until we're done with everybody's requested episode. Thank Correct. You. Thank Correct. you. Thank you very yes. much. All right. All right. Anything else about this? Well, uh, no. I just want to say thank you to those who have done it and those who haven't, man. Now's your chance to do it. But I would like to hear about some of the amazing things that have happened to you recently, Ralph. Oh, my Lord. Too much to talk about, but I'll try to... I'll give you all cliff notes. Uh, before I, I went and played New York, but before I went to New York, I opened for, like, the most amazing new band out there, in my opinion. If you like heavy metal, that is. Uh, they're called Night Demon, and they are the shit. We opened for them. They blew my mind, and they came to my house. They stayed the night here, and uh, I interviewed them, and you can see it on YouTube. I will be uh, airing it tonight on my radio show. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing construction still next door, by the way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so those guys were fucking ultra cool. They got a new album coming out soon. 
And, uh, yeah, they're fucking cool-ass dudes. They got my number. They've been sending me funny texts, uh, funny pictures, and, in, like, a record store that had Ingrid Malmsteen spelled all wrong. In, in, it was Ying Ying Mama Cream, some shit like that. <laughs> and you see, like, the trilogy album there. Anyway, so then uh, a day later, we go to, uh, two days later, we go to New York, and it was fucking freezing, man. I mean, cold, and I haven't seen snow in, since I was a little kid. And let me tell you something. If you know me, you know I can't stand the cold. Oh, he's fucking drilling. Goddamn. They haven't been drilling until right now. Anyway, so, um, so I'm there and I'm freezing my ass off. But believe it or not, I wasn't really like, oh my God, this is horrible. It was actually really pleasant because I'm out there freezing my ass off thinking to myself, in just two short days, I'll be back in sunny Florida, you know? So, um... Yeah, so we ran a hotel, we had a party, we got fucked, we got, we got fucked up, I mean, on alcohol, my job, go ahead, test me, I don't give a fuck, you're gonna catch shit on me, and, uh, then we went to the show, and before we got to the show, I went to a diner, and at that diner, Bushy, I met Bushy, and his little daughter that loves me so much, but I love, I love her a little more, and, um, oh my god, I didn't realize Bushy was so tall. That guy's like six foot four or some shit. And yeah, I caressed his beard like a homo. And uh, yeah, I met little lady. I, I signed her shirt. She's got the limited edition Dr. F autograph. I've never signed my autograph like that. But she's nine years old. I can't sign my name like that. <laughs> and then the amazing Scott Stein was in nice. the, well, he was actually in the diner before we got there. So we all hung out together and we had our meal and then, uh, Went on to the show, and uh, Bushy drank way too much. I drank a lot, too. <laughs> but I told Bushy, dude, you better fucking not get... You better remember our set. He, <laughs> he was getting hammered. But all the bands were amazing. I, I performed with two bands. that Well, three bands, technically, including mine. I, I performed with a band from New Jersey called Roar, who uh, three years ago, or four years ago, they sent me... Um, they, they asked me if I would sing on their album. I said, wow, let me hear it, brah. You know, because if it sucks, I ain't going to sing on it. And it's a really good song called Fast Food Run. So I sang it, and uh, they opened with it, and I joined them on stage and sang that. I feel I feel really bad because I don't remember all the band's name, but I got to mention this one back to begin your shirt. They're called Mantic Outburst. They were so good. They were fucking amazing. And, um, and then Paralysis, who's a fucking amazing... You know, just three kids, man, in a thrash band. I joined them on stage and I did Brain Dead by Exodus. And then uh, Condition Critical was after them and they were fucking amazing. And then, you know, we came up and we just destroyed everybody. <laughs> thrash or die, baby. No, but every band was fucking amazing. I can't say we were better than them. I can't say we were worse either. I think it was just equally. And Scott and, and Butchie both agree. Every fucking band was amazing. It was an amazing show. Had amazing times. Then we flew back to Florida. I got to the uh, Fort Lauderdale airport. My buddy picked me up and we drove like five hours to Tampa North to see Creator, Obituary, and uh, Midnight. Midnight's always been a bucket list band for me. So I got to see Midnight finally. They did not disappoint. It was worth the wait. Obituary was actually good. They're very hit and miss live, but they were really good. I mean, I'm really, uh, I'm really only into the two and a half albums really the first two and half of them complete i like 
Uh, but they played some newer songs that I was like, fuck, this is pretty good. Maybe I should look into those later ones, you know? So I'll go on whatever, Google, and find out that set list so I can look up those songs because they were good. Creator was fucking mind-blowing. Probably the best time I've ever seen them. They, they threw out Total Death, which is a personal favorite of mine, which they haven't played since I saw them back in 91. And uh, they also played Phobia, which is one of my favorite uh, Creator songs. And, you know, they played Flag of Hate, where Millie came out with the flag. And, uh, and what else? Uh, yeah, and then after, and you know, Cannibal Corpse was hanging out. George Corpse Grinder and everybody, they were all there. And then uh, we drove back home and, uh, oh, so uh, one more thing. While I was in New York, I found out Saxon is playing this upcoming Thursday with UFO at BB King's. And what did I do? I bought a fucking ticket and a plane ticket. So I'm flying over there next Thursday again. I'm gonna go see Saxon UFO and flying back the very next day. So I don't miss a day of work. I also bought plane tickets today to Milwaukee to see uh, Loudness with uh, my boy Solstice is opening. So I'm going to Milwaukee to see uh, Loudness. That's in April sometime, April 20th or something. Oh, and I don't know if I announced this on the podcast yet, but. Thrasher and I is officially touring in Australia in November. Yeah. Nice. Oh my God. I'm so proud of myself. And uh, so, but, yeah, I, I know Scott Stein got in the pit. Did Bushy get in the pit? Yes, he was. He was all the well, not the pit, but they were all the way up front. You know, okay. you know, you know how pits are. They're not all the way up front. They're like a little back, back of them. Right. Well, that's but, what I was. I was afraid that you know, you know, Bushy's not used to pits. And he'd probably have a Zima in his hand, and I don't want him to fall, and, you know, the glass breaks and he gets cut. That motherfucker was throwing down the alcohol big time. What, a, what, <laughs> a, what an alky. Anyway, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were all the way up front. I dedicated um, uh, Postmortem Star and Bushy's favorite song to him, and uh, and he was going nuts the whole show. I passed him the mic a couple times so he could stream it today. Yeah, man. It was great. It was fucking awesome. I saw nice. a couple, I saw a tear come off Bushy's eye, and I was like, "Oh look, he's crying tough." <laughs> Take it outside. Take it outside. She's got pizzazz like a razzmatazz. You know, a lot of people love that episode. Oh my god! You know, we took a lot of shit. Uh, you know, as many people was happy that we were doing poison. We took a lot of shit from people like, are you serious? You're doing fucking poison, especially coming after a Billy Joel episode. Yeah, but but uh, I bet those people will love it because we goofed on it hardcore. Oh, my God. We've got such an amazing response to that poison episode and the final appearance of Frank Lee Gerstmann. Yeah, what a way for him to go out. Oh, yeah. Oh, what yeah. a way for him to leave. But, yeah, it was it was a great, great... Um, and I want to, I wanna, you know, thank... Lee for all the time he's had with us, and you know, hopefully, me and Ian will be part of his podcast in the future. Anyway, any uh, that's that's it. That's all I got to talk about. I'm sure there's more I'd like to talk about, but I'll I'll, I'll save it for next week because I am drawing a blank now. Uh, let's get into the news. All right, uh, let's see here. Overkill Crumpman says drummer Ron Lipnicki can't tour because of a personal issue, and I know that was something I just saw Overkill, and they were amazing. And their drummer now is their the longtime drum tech Eddie Garcia, and I've heard different things on it's Eddie on the album. I've heard it's Ron, and I don't think I've got it on vinyl, and I don't think it says for sure. But uh, 
yeah, I was wondering if they were ever going to announce, I, at first I heard, like, a family issue, but uh, now it seems like he just doesn't want a tour. So I don't know if he's going to be out of the band soon. I think he's, like, still officially listed as a drummer, but Eddie Garcia has done the last two tours and possibly uh, was the drummer on the grinding wheel. And whoever played on that did an amazing job, but I would be sad to see Ronald Lipnicki go because uh, the albums he's played on, he's been phenomenal. And I think a real shot in the arm. Well, uh, McNicky did play on the new album because I didn't tell you the scene. I was in the studio. Oh, okay. When they recorded Grinding Wheel, I was there. And, and I have proof. You know why? You know how? You know how I have proof? Because I, I got a hickey from McNicky. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Um, the new Steel Panther album, Lower the Bar. Oh, I'm uh, not liking what I'm hearing so far, man. Okay, well, then you're backing me up because uh, I got it last night from Mr. X. Oh, you I did? Send it to me. I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but, you know, the like months ago they released their cover of She's Tight by Cheap Trick. I really didn't care for that. Me neither. You know, and, and, and to tell you the truth, uh, that's never been a favorite song of mine even by Cheap Trick. I mean, I like it, but it's never been one of my favorites. Well, that's when Cheap Trick, I mean, for me, it was already, they, they, you know, that's when they fucking totally, I jumped ship. I jumped ship and came back for, um, well, you know, I never really jumped ship, jumped ship. What I mean is I jumped ship as far as liking any of their albums till like, Woke Up for the Monster was the first one I went, ooh. But I still went right. to go see them all those tours. But right. one-on-one was oh, such a downgrade. Three three good songs I like. That's the two singles, they're looking out for number one. That's it. Thank you. Right. Well, uh, so that one kind of, like, underwhelmed me. And I think it's not only because I was so-so with the song, but it's like, to me, it sounded almost identical. They didn't really change anything, so it wasn't even that interesting of a cover. And then they released a video for a new song the other day. I saw it, yeah, last night. And I was like, what? It really didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the end of it I thought was funny, but other than that, I was like, man, they've done so much better than this. Yeah. But, you know, let me, let me listen to the rest of the album, man. Maybe it's just a couple of poor uh, singles they released. But I do love Steel Panther. Uh, unfortunately, I missed them when they played here, and I hope to get a chance to see them. They are the most fun band you can see today, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, but you got to see them in a club. When I saw them with Judas Priest, it didn't translate well. Uh, to a big crowd, but it was amazing in a club. It was so much fun. Those guys are fucking hilarious. They're great. They're great. Even if you hate Steel Panther, you want to have a good fucking time, go see a Steel Panther show. You just got to overlook the dorks that show off the show with wigs on. And believe me, they do that. It's weird. I've seen Steel Panther three times in clubs, and every time there's just a bunch of people showing up with spandex and wigs on. I'm like, you fucking... Older motherfuckers. Right. This ain't no wig on my head. <laughs> so That's yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I, I I I I misspoke earlier. I said, hey, Ian sent me it. No, you can't send me it, dude. Just shoot a text to Mr. X. Will do. That wrong. <laughs> Alright, well, unfortunately, we have uh, two passings. Of oh the my road. god, today, man. That shocked yes. me. And I'll tell you something weird. Yeah, I'll tell you two things that are very weird. Um, last month, I was, I don't know if you saw this on my Facebook, I was putting up videos of um, 
Oh my God, what's his name? The guy that just died from Aliens. Bill Paxton. Yes. And I was putting up his scenes, and I was like, this guy stole the movie. And like two weeks later, he was dead. While we were in New York, Alex Marquez, like we were talking about his bald head, and he said, yeah. he said, nah, dude, if I grow my hair, I'll be like the drummer of Boston. Just, right. just it wasn't even a week ago he said this, and he died. Siv, who I always yes. thought had the coolest fro in all of rock. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, I, you know, I happen to think, uh, you know, an incredible drummer, too. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. in, as much as, you know, those first two Boston albums, I mean, there's no denying how revolutionary uh, Tom Schultz's guitar was and, and the voice of Brad Delp. But I, I thought Sib's drumming was, uh, was but you fantastic. Know, but you know what, dude? It's like everybody in that band was great. Boston, yeah. they would just had such top-notch musicians that were not... You know, stagnated. You know what I mean? They were right. like, they, they, they just meld so well together. You know, it's like, it was fucking magic. Those two Boston albums are fucking magic. Which, by the way, I went to put it on today. Both my Boston albums are missing. Oh no. Yeah. You know, and 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 here's something you you could probably you know back this up too. Yeah, I, I got a friend. He he's a bit of a, a music snob, and you know he grew up way past. Boston's prime and just knows him from that band you hear 20 times a day on classic rock station right so so it didn't mean as much to him but uh his old boss he said they're driving in the truck one day and his boss said he goes but what you don't understand is when Boston came out nobody sounded like that nobody had that guitar sound that Tom Schultz had he said it was so fresh and revolutionary it was for the time. oh I was there Ian it yeah. was it was the most amazing thing and it kind of like spearheaded the whole spaceship thing because then elo had a spaceship and you know and, and all this things came. and it's such a classic album cover you know believe yeah. it or not and, and and i'm gonna sound like you with for those about the rock but i prefer don't look back but i think maybe maybe the same reason you prefer for those about the rock you know You're what i mean just so so burned out on the first one, but the first one's so good. Oh yeah, it is. They're both, and, and I'm like you. Uh, I I mean I I still think the first one's a, a better album, but when I go back now, I listen to Don't Look Back just because uh, there isn't as much of a burnout factor. You know, I'll tell you one song on Don't Look Back that I was listening to today. I put it up on my wall. It's called It's Easy. You know that song? Oh yeah, dude. That song has radio hit written all fucking over it it's like the most perfect boston song and you never hear that one on the radio ever that is a big mystery how that one eluded classic rock you know right you still hear a lot uh, i mean down in south florida you hear don't look back feeling satisfied party you hear those yeah. songs a lot down here i even hear uh uh used to bad news at times here and there but right. man that first boston album dude there's not one song that's not overplayed on classic radio but it's still great, and I wanted to hear it today. I really did. That's what oh, yeah. I was looking for. You know, I mean, I there was a time in high school I absolutely loved those first two albums, and then, you know, I worked so many years in construction where, you know, if you're lucky, the radio got turned on to classic rock, but you just heard these songs so much, you know, they they kind of lost their their feeling, <laughs> more than a feeling, but. Uh, you, you know, since I've got, you know, I, I work a different job, but in the same trade now, I don't have to listen to classic rock radio anymore. Yeah, I do. And it's like now I, I've 
re-fallen in love with those songs because I've had enough breathing room from them, and now I can listen to them again and appreciate, like, god damn, these were some amazing songs. On, and, and amazing vocals, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, one thing I didn't know, uh, you know, I was reading on his obituary is that uh, uh, Sib was not their original drummer, but he was brought in right before they recorded uh, the first album because I, I believe it was the producer or management said, you need a better drummer. And, I mean, Sib definitely did it. He left during the recording of Third Stage, and they actually brought back the guy that he replaced. Oh, wow. Uh, um, I forget this guy's name. Um, McNicky. Uh, Jim Jim Masita. Okay. But, uh, but no, Sib, yeah, and, and you got to admit, I mean, you know, yeah, Lindsey Buckingham, Jeff Lynn all had great afros for honkies, but Sib had the fucking fro to end all fucking fro. Hell yeah, he, and he, I just loved him. He was so identified. When you look, when you turn the, that album around, he's the one you look at. You oh know? yeah, he's the oh, first yeah. one that catches your eye out of all of them. You know that fuck, oh, yeah. because of that fro. You know, e- either that or you look at how. You, you know, freakishly ugly Tom Schultz is, you know, almost like Rick Ocasek ugly, you yeah. know. But yeah, you see Sim's hair and you're like, holy shit, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it's just, what a great, great, man, what a loss. And he died yeah. just like Jimmy Bain on a cruise trip. Yeah, and yeah, and and died died performing. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yes, yes, he was performing. Witness says uh, CPR was performed and a defibrillator was used but to no avail. Just like Nick and, Manson, man. He went out like yeah. Nick Manson. And, and that's sad, but you know what? Uh, he was 67 years old. That's that's a good life. And yeah, uh, it's, not, it's still kind of young, man. Well, it, it, it is, but you know what I mean? I mean, th- this guy probably did more in, in 67 years than most people did, and you know, uh, you know, and, and I, I hope he's remembered. Uh, you know, I got a feeling, uh, you know, without... You know, people like us mentioning them. It's one of those things you pass around the same time as you know the next guy we're going to talk about, and it's going to get swept under the rug a little bit. But I definitely wanted to show some respect to Sib Hashin. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but uh, incredible drummer. All right, and then uh, Chuck Berry, right? Yeah, man, Chuck fucking Berry. Well, that guy was what ninety something. He was ninety. Yeah, yeah, he was up there. Yeah, and then that's you know ninety. You can't bitch about ninety. That that's for damn sure. You know, but, you know what Chuck Berry. I mean, you know his history of rock and roll. But to me, he was very instrumental in my little youth. His song "My Dingaling." <laughs> I, I would hear. I used to hear "My Dingaling" a lot when I was a little little kid. That was like pro, pre, I I would say that was my introduction to Chuck Berry. I heard that before Johnny Be Good. And, well, see, you know that that was a that was a later hit for Chuck. Yeah, that I came, know. That the came 70s. out in yeah seventy two, and you know a lot of these guys, you know even even fucking Elvis, who the so called king of rock and roll, you know when the sixties came in, those guys quickly were already looked at as old time music, right. and and didn't get the respect that you know the Beatles and the Doors and you know. Uh, you know, all, all the other bands at the time, you know, while those bands, you know, still love that stuff, you know, kids weren't listening to that as much. And, you know, Chuck Berry just came back kind of out of nowhere with Mike Dingling. And it is one of those, especially to a kid, because, you know, he's saying Dingling. Yeah, it was like, awesome. You know, and you're like, huh. But, I mean, it's still a great fucking song. And, you know, I think more so, uh, you know, 
it's it's everybody knows I don't like Elvis, but I you know I have to admit his influence and his impact. But I I think with Chuck Berry it was all about music, you know. And you talk to the guitar players, I mean those licks he wrote that everybody else caught. You know, there's no Rolling Stones without fucking Chuck Berry. You know, all these other bands and the way he played guitar and and his songwriting. To to me, he's he's my king. And Little Richard's my queen of rock and roll. And, Most... and he, he invented the duck step that Angus uh, is oh, famous yeah. for. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, it's, I mean, and, you know, like I said, you get, you got to give Elvis his credit, too. You, you know, you know, because he, he was a legendary. Well, uh, you know how, you know where I stand with Elvis. I'm right. a huge <laughs> Elvis fan. Just don't like his gospel era. But, man, everything else was just, to me, that guy is the king of rock and roll. But, I'm sorry. But I, I, I think, you know. Where Elvis is, is is kind of like, you know, there's a lot of country in his shit too, you know, and then some, you know, hillbilly music in his shit. Where Little Richard and Chuck Berry is just pure, unadulterated rhythm and blues, rock and roll, and it laid the foundation for everything that came after. And uh, man, I just I I hope he gets even more. You know, respect now. Supposedly, there's a new album coming out that I don't know if this is something he was working on uh, at his time of death, or if this is just something that they're throwing together as a cash grab of some unreleased shit. Uh, yeah, I, I already see a Chuck Berry shirts on my Facebook. Right. Oh, uh, 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 oddly enough, this is this also Chuck Berry uh, is is connected with Night Demon. They are touring with Anvil, and on their see, they were telling me they spent the night in my house, and they were telling me that Anvil only performs Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. So they were their Anvil and them came down to Florida, so they had like four days off. So what Night Demon does on their days off is they go headline clubs, and when they stayed at my house, they said, "Yeah, we're going up to Sarasota to play a show," and from there they go to St. Augustine. And when they played St. Augustine with Anvil, that was the night before Chuck Berry died, and Lips set, set on stage. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, yeah, Lips on stage. This is the day before Chuck Berry died. This is on Blabbermouth. Lips said, oh man, when I was a little kid, my, my favorite, favorite artist was Chuck Berry. And he kept, and he, ta- he, had, he did a little speech about Chuck Berry. And then he went into one of their songs that kind of was rock and rollish. But ain't that weird? He said it the day before he died. And uh, here's some news I want to say to you. I don't know if it's coming to your town. Megadeth and the Scorpions? No, it's not. All right, it's coming down here. So, yeah, I'm going, man. They're playing the BTT Center, which, in other words, I'm not buying no ticket till day of the show. No way that shit's going to sell out. That place is humongous. Unfortunately, I've never seen the Scorpions. Uh, But they, they came here on that farewell tour when they were playing with Rat, but I, I didn't like the venue they were playing, and the ticket prices were ridiculous, especially right. for this venue. They were like 60 bucks where everybody else who plays there is 20, and I was like, yeah, I'll pass. And, but yeah, they're, they're not coming uh, to New Orleans with this. And I think it's funny, I, I saw the, the announcement, they're calling it the Crazy World Tour, and I was like, Oh no! Please tell me they're not playing Crazy World in its entirety. Right. But they're not. They're, they're not. They're saying that when they recorded it, they they called it Crazy World because 
everything was crazy with the fall of communism and the Berlin Wall, and they never thought they'd see that. And they're like, but now the world's even crazier for the worst, and so that's why it's called the the Crazy World North American Tour. Right. right. And uh, and and well, and another thing with that is I'm just like. Uh, you know, it's like a co-headline tour, so you're gonna get like a half-ass Mega Show and a half-ass Scorpion. So, you know, I mean, if it was here, I'd go see it, but I definitely wouldn't travel for it. I hear you. I mean, yeah, it's here. It's down here in Fort Lauderdale. I'm going. Definitely yes. gonna go. I love the Scorps and I love Megadeth, and I haven't seen uh this this uh this th- dystopia shit yet. Right. The, the the lineup. I know they probably won't play a lot off it. But. Right. Now, I'd prefer to see Megadeth headline, honestly, but who knows? Maybe they'll play a long set, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking you're probably going to get a 90-minute from each. Hopefully. I hope so. You know, That's what I want because, you know, Scorpions don't throw out the Uli stuff, so just give me 90 minutes of, of fucking uh, Love It First Thing Down. Yeah. You know, please don't but, play When to Change. Oh, you know that's going to get played. They didn't play it on the Farewell Tour. Oh, really? Oh, good Good for them. Yeah, they did not play it on the Farewell Tour. Good for them. Good uh, All right. Well, I got to say congratulations to our good buddies at Decibel Geek because they've done something that's still eluding us as they've made it on to Blabbermouth again. Uh, I don't know if you saw the quotes. Uh, from. It, it's funny. We both released Poison Look What the Cat Dragged in episodes the same week. Oh, really? <laughs> and because... Because, you know, we actually changed the Poison one because of scheduling conflicts and when we could record news. It wasn't supposed to be that way. But Decibel Geek did a uh, special interview with Ricky Rocket where they went through the whole making of the album. And they talk about what we made such great fun of. The fact that, you know, Slash auditioned for the band and didn't make it. (laughs) And uh, Ricky Rocket talks about how pissed Slash was. You know, he was, like, really upset. I imagine that's pretty embarrassing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is funny. I'm sure Slash would deny it, but let me tell you something. I believe it because when I was in California in 1985, Poison was, like, the thing. I saw Guns N' Roses at the same time, and I, even though when I did see Guns N' Roses at Troubadour, it was a very packed club, very packed. But Poison was kind of like the band, the, the, the local that's all I saw was, I mean, they were a promotion machine and, and a lot of media were covering Poison. This was 1985, so I could kind of see him being pissed that he's not in, like, what was the biggest of the local attraction. Right. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to Decibel Geek. It, it, was, uh, it was a great episode, and uh, I suggest you check out both uh, theirs and ours, whether you like the band or not. And if you hate the band, especially check out ours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll love it. Yeah, a lot of people were complaining that we reviewed Poison. It's like, you people that are complaining, if you listen to it, you'll love it. And a lot of people are telling us that we should continue reviewing shit we hate. And and I've, I've always been for that. You know, it, it's, it's kind of getting you to drag your feet, but I think even you'll admit... You had so much fun goofing on that shit. That not not only goofing on it, Ian. I had fun listening to it because it was just <laughs> it was like listening to a Richard Pryor album. It was just funny. I couldn't believe how fucking terrible. I mean, I knew the album. I never heard it from beginning to end, but I knew I knew the title track and and a couple of those songs. But then when I finally heard uh, what's the last one? Mama, let me go to the show. 
and yeah. she, she's got pizzazz, like a razzmatazz and all that shit. It was like, oh my god, this is fucking hilarious. This is so fucking terrible that it's fucking funny, you know? And I had a good time. I listened to it several times on my walk. I was like, let me hear that poison t- again. It's just so bad. It's great, you know? Right. But people actually, like, you know, love it because, you know, out, out of merit, you know? You know, and, and I think that makes it even funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not, not against you people, but Jesus. Damn, man. I mean, if you listen to that and you, like, like it seriously, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well it's funny. There, there was... Uh... You know, there was talk about this episode we're recording right now when I announced what album we're doing, you know, Wasp Inside the Electric Circus. Justin Childers got on there, and, you know, he he hates Wasp. And he's just ragged out. He's like, oh, this is stupid music, uh, you know, for fucking 12-year-olds. And I was like, yeah, it's not as sophisticated as your white lion and danger danger yeah, you that know, you love so fucking much. It's true. When Justin Childers slams stuff, it's kind of like... You have to take it for a grain of salt, because look what he likes. I mean, he thinks CeCe's a good guitar player. Pretty much worships Adrian Smith. It's like, okay, I see where you're coming from, so if you change shit I like, it makes sense, you know? But he actually told me White Lion is a thousand times better. He said they, they blow fucking Wasp away. Yeah, that's why White Lion's no longer around, and, and Wasp White, is still gone. White, White Lion. Th- that fucking nasally voice. Like... Late. Oh, no, we gotta review God. that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, we should, we should, we should, we should have Justin Childers on and do White Lion. Yeah, just, and we, you know what? But let's not go overboard with the hair bands, man. I don't want to be part of that. You know? <laughs> I mean, let's do one a year, <laughs> you know, so I can have a good laugh. Because it, it did. Believe me, we do a bunch. I'm gonna be burnt out and not not be laughing anymore. I mean, this ain't funny, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to sprinkle it gently. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, you know, we'll have the Cock Rock Block Week and show, whatever. <laughs> Once a year. We'll, we'll, next, for now on, we'll, we'll air it, even if it's not on Sunday, we'll always air it on April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is a great segue into the album we're talking about. And uh, we, got, we got a special guest for this one, a first-time guest. <laughs> And uh, I think you did a damn good job. So let's get into the third album from Wasp, Inside the Electric Circus. Ian, I understand we have a guest this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you didn't say special, because it's just a guest. Yeah. Uh, but he's all the way from fucking Ireland. The Mick, DJ Mac, James McCormick is with us today. Hi, James. Hey, hey guys, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, what he just said was, Hello, hey guys, how are you? Don't worry, when we do the unedited uh, YouTube exclusive, we will have subtitles. <laughs> Top of the morning to you, James. That's right, morning <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, uh, we're uh, going to talk about uh, the 1986 album, right? 86, right? 86, yeah. yes. Oh, look at that, I like when I get it right. Yeah. Uh, inside the Electric Circus. Uh, James, since you're our guest, why don't you tell us how you discovered this album? Um, well, how I discovered it, well, it, it really goes back to when I was a, a small kid. I was about six or seven, and um, uh, my my father worked away at the time, and we had no car. And my mum used to work in a shop a couple of miles over the road, so I used to go over with her in the morning, and then I used to catch a ride to school. 
James, James, not your life story, but how did you just <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm getting to it, I'm getting to it. But uh, there was a, a guy that lived next door to the shop, uh, had this fucking killer um, record collection. And uh, back then, Guns N' Roses was everything to me, but I was just starting to discover, you know, other pieces of metal. But I stumbled across, uh, it was The Last Command, and I picked it up, and it's, you know, it has that cool cover with Blackie standing on a, I don't know, was it a mountain of shit or something, but um, he was telling me about the band, and he was like, yeah, they've got this song called Fuck Like a Beast, and I was like, oh, man, that sounds cool. But, uh, and then he was telling me uh, that it's, you know, the acronyms, however you say it, stands for We Are Sexual Perverts. Now, I didn't know what pervert was back then, but I kind of had an idea that sex was, you know, bad. So I was like, oh, "How old were badass. you at this time?" I was about seven. You were seven, and the guy's telling you they have a song called <laughs> "Fuck Like a Beast." Yeah. yeah. Show me on the dial where this guy touched you. <laughs> all, of yeah. sudden, all of a sudden, I do care about this story. This is great. <laughs> but uh, I, I just thought it was cool. And uh, was the guy's name to... Lee? Gersman, yeah. Do you know him? <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, that was my first encounter, but what first time I seen them was I used to watch um, a show on Friday nights called uh, the Friday Rock Show with Tommy Vance, and this was you know pre-internet, and I remember seeing a few videos of Wasp uh, on it, and I thought they were cool, but I was going through a used record store one day, and I found Inside the Electric Circus on tape, and I flipped it over because I could remember the guy talking about Animal Fuck Like a Beast, and it wasn't on it, but I bought it. Um, but that would have been early 2000s, so um, it was my first Wasp album. Uh, I got it when I was about 14, and uh, spoiler alert, I've loved it since. <laughs> but that that was my first uh, introduction to the album. How, how old are you, James? I'm uh, 29. All right, uh, Ian, why don't you uh, say how you, you uh, discovered this album? This album is so... Uh so special to me but uh I, I i love this album but this was the first wasp that i knew shortly after this you know through columbia house i would order a bunch of shit i would never pay for but i you know i went back got uh last command in the first one but you, you never forget your first you know I, i'm definitely not going to say this is the best wasp album but it'll always hold a special place because i loved wasp i, I mean once i heard this I had to have everything Wasp, and I was like that until, well, I still to this day get everything, but, like, the mania stopped when Crimson Idol came out. I was like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll keep buying it, but, I, you know, I never had that excitement I had when I was a kid because they were, like, you know, Kiss and Alice Cooper, but, you know, just dirtier and, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know, bad stuff. I knew I knew a child of my age was not supposed to be listening to you know, but I, I loved it, you know, and it was, you know, it was it was sexual, it was hard rock. But there was something, I think a lot of it has to do with Blackie's voice, but not only that, but the music. It was just a little bit heavier than everything else, you know. It was heavier to me than uh, than Kiss or Alice Cooper or, you know, Doc and Motley Crue, Twisted Sister. You know, there was, they, were, they were heavy, uh, even though, you know, lyrically it was just as juvenile. But, uh... Man, always, always Doug Wasp, and you know it's unfortunate he's a born again Christian now, and uh, you know the, the the shows suffer because half of it's a medley of of songs you want to hear in their entirety, and uh, I mean just a real 
pale imitation of what they were, but I mean, at the time, they were huge to me. And uh, but I don't know if they were ever as huge as I thought they were. You know, and, and you were there, Ralph. Were they kind of like a? Were they like a docking where like people still talk about them, but they never made it to that like, you know, the next level? You are correct, sir. Thank you. Yeah, well, Wasp, as far as I know, I think, you know, I believe they were huge in Europe back then. I know they are now. Uh, I remember this tour. They actually played Long Beach Arena, headlined it. This one, I can't quite remember when I first bought it, but I did buy it. And uh, I remember hearing it and thinking to myself, even on the first listen, I thought, holy fuck, you know, what what Wasp did back then with the pornography and the rated X type 5 this one seemed PG-13 to me even when they sang about sex it was kind of safe you know uh, but I will say this and I will surprise both of you with this last night after hearing it for the first time in many many moons I really enjoyed it um, nice. it, it, I still you know there, there are still some blemishes but and I still got some you know, negative things to say about this album, but uh, now in retrospect, listening to it after so many years and knowing the songs, because these are songs that I do know, I just haven't heard them in so long, that I found a brand new appreciation for some of the songs. Some of the songs that I loved back then, I love still to today. And uh, there's one song on here, man, that's so fucking cheesy, I can't help but salute it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that one when we get to that one but uh, uh, I won't go more into what I think of the music of the album I figure I do it as we go track by track so uh, James since uh, you are our guest uh, why don't you take the opening track with that stupid intro <laughs> the big welcome yeah um, oh wait wait, wait 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 go back a bit I always thought it was one track. Oh, it's called the Bill Welcome before the title track. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. All yes. right. I, I was. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. It's um, well, as you said, it's it's stupid. Um, but I, I think towards the end of it, when the when the guitar and the drums kicks in, it leads well into the second track. Um, but I mean that spoken word, you know, the circus ringmaster or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. I just think it's dumb. Um, but as I said, I like it when the drums, that little riff kicks in and uh, it would have been a great way to just start, you know, make that a part of the title track. Um, but it's for what it is, it's pretty dumb. So that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, it's like fanfare material. Yeah, it's worse than fanfare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. No, no, yeah, yeah. I have, to, I have to disagree there. It's not worse. It's the same. Yeah. It's maybe, just yeah, as stupid. It's the same. Come on! <laughs> There's no fucking flute in it. Yeah, no, it, it, it is corny. It, it's silly. Uh, but I love it. To me, it, it just screams like 80s and how, you know, cheesy and entertaining it was at the same time. Now, does it does it need to be its own separate track? No. No, I agree. Uh, I thought it was part it, of the song. Yeah, yeah, no, no, well... Yeah, it's not. The but uh, yeah, it should have been name the big welcome. Yeah, but I mean, either put like a, you know, like a slash, you, you know, and and then then inside electric yeah. circus, or just call it all inside the electric circus. Yeah, they should have just said really. stupid shit slash 
inside electric circus. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I I've heard worse. You know, like kind of interludes and intros, but not, you know, not too many. Uh, but it is. I, I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to invoke like a, you know, like a theme. Like you just bought a ticket, you know, and you're walking in, kid. You know, but uh, you know, especially nowadays, it's corny. But back then, you know, I was like, ooh, here we go, you know. But I was fucking twelve. You know, and, too, and, so. and it's funny because I wrote exactly what you just said in the notes. I said the circus announcing intro is so kiddie and pedestrian that I can understand how the. This would bl blow uh, the mind of a little alcoholic. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, See true. that? I, I, I know you, Ian. <laughs> All right, uh, so, so, Ralph, <laughs> don't hold back. No, that's it. Okay, I'll go into okay. the time track. That's all I said about the big welcome, because that was just the first line I said for what I thought was, you know, the title track. All right, um, I think this is a great opener to set the mood for how the, what this album is. You know, the song does rock, and it has its typical 80s rock and roll animal theme. You know, how many songs did we have back then, you know, like, about, you know, animals and rock and roll, and, you know, I'm a rock and roll animal and type shit. It's breaking new ground, but it's pretty much, it pretty much stays stagnant and not growing from the first two, because that's, see, the first two are kind of like the same album, except it did get a little, a little mature with uh, Widowmaker was a little, you know, it seemed like a little step forward, where this album, it just stays, you know. There are some some songs that I would say, okay, it seems like it's growing a bit. But this one, it's just, for some reason, the, the, whole vi the, the whole vibe of this album has a different feel from the first two. It doesn't feel as badass. It doesn't feel as dangerous. But this song rocks nonetheless. You know, I don't think it's a bad song. I think it's a good song. It's not bad. I mean, listening to it last night, you know, because I was taking notes, which I'm reading now, I was like, you know, I mean, I remember this song, and it hasn't really changed, and it does, you know, but as far as you know, rocking, hey man, it does the job. It brings the, it brings the rock. So I can't really like slam it for bringing the rock. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That welcome, I bid you welcome. And, you know, one thing I got to say, man, is that fucking Blackie Lawless has such an amazing voice, you know. So there you go. That's what I think. James? Um, yeah, look, I love the song. Um, I, I think this would have been the right way to kick the album off instead of that uh, big w welcome. Um, like, it's a great mid-tempo song, and it has some really cool guitar work in it. And as you said, the vocals, like are just on point um and it, it's like one of the few songs on the album i think that has that classic wasp sound you know going back to the debut um like i love the chorus it's catchy as fuck and there's great melodies but one problem i have with this track in particular but it goes you know throughout the whole album is the lack of bass in the mix is the, the bass is just so low in the mix um now as you know, this is the album that Blackie switched to rhythm guitar, um, and they took in uh, what was his name, Johnny Rod. Yes. Um, I don't know, was it a, a middle finger to him, maybe because he's a new guy, or I know he was a bit derogatory towards bass players. Um, he, in an interview, he said some derogatory comments about um, that why he switched to guitar, 
I can't remember exactly what he said, but he, he said basically the base said, is a tool of ignorance. That's exactly. Yes, what he said. exactly. That's what he said. So maybe it was this to stick to the middle, you know, sticking the middle finger up to that. But I really find that, you know, the lack of bass in the mix annoying. But um, it's a good welcome to the to the album, and uh, like the the first incarnation of the band was called Circus Circus. So I often wonder, is this, you know, a nod back then um, to the to the early days? But uh, it should have been the opening track. I think it's a, a great killer song. Uh, I love it. It's one of uh, third favorite in the album. All right, uh, I absolutely love it, and, and it is a great way to to start it off. Uh, as far as the bass being uh, low in the mix. I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's a hazing thing. Uh, mm. This was self-produced by Blackie, yeah. and Black Blackie's always been about Blackie. You know, it comes down to mm. like, you know, the, why is he the only guy on the cover of uh, Last Command? Why is he the only guy on the on the cover of this? Yeah. You know, and he's producing. So I'm thinking maybe the, the bass just isn't tuned up because he's not playing it. Maybe he wanted it louder on the other albums because hey. Me, it's Blackie. You got to make me sound good. Wait, wait. You know, Blackie produced this album. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and and everyone since then, he uh, he did he did produce he co-produced the first album with I believe Mike Varney, and uh, the second album was produced by Spence Popper, who did uh, uh, you know Metal Health, bunch of bands uh, back in the day, you know mid early '80s metal. And Last Command, I truly believe is a headphone album because there's so much shit in the background but from this point on i think he's even mentioned it in interviews uh he found out that the producer gets paid before anybody else Mm. so from here on out he's got lead production credits because that's more money going towards him yeah And, and it's all about him i mean shit look at the album cover i love it i mean to me it's kind of a you know like you know he's doing his own version of eat him and smile kind of thing but uh you know, fuck, you know, they, they should have had Chris Holmes like an elephant, you know, with his dong hanging out. That could have been the trunk. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, include the rest of the band. They're people, too. But, I mean, if you go back and, you know, listen, you know, talk to anybody who's in the band, this shit is all about Blackie, and the rest yeah. of you are just window dressing. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as the song itself, uh, I love it. Now, it is, I, I see what Ralph said, it, it is a safer record. And Blackie's always had this thing about acceptance. I don't know if it's his fucking childhood, but he just wants to be accepted and fucking acknowledged and, and worshipped. I mean, even more than most egotistical stars, you know, he just really needs it. And and he always puts all the focus on him. But another interesting fact about this album is it was really pushed by Capitol, you know, who just kept on... But that's the way it was in the 80s. It was album tour, album tour. Got to keep yeah. you out there. Got to keep your face out there. This whole album was written, recorded, and mixed in nine weeks. You know, yeah, Black, Blackie did say about this album that it was a, a tired album from a tired band. Right. So uh, I didn't know it was you know done in that short of space of time. So there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, not even you know that's short for recording a record and getting it done let alone writing it as well but uh you know i i I still you know spoiler alert love a lot of this record but it it explains a lot but this is a great way uh 
to start off the album, and it always goes over good live. Uh, they played this live both times I saw them, and everybody loved it. Uh, one of the ones I will say, I think this is the only one uh, I've heard. I don't need no doctor in a, in a medley, but uh, you know, I think this is the only song from this album I heard played live in its entirety. But it does go over great, you know. And I can only imagine. I've got a I've got a live bootleg of this tour that's pretty good. But man, I would have loved to see a video because they had the whole circus uh, tent set up, you know, and them coming out and all the pyro. This song, perfect, be great way to start a fucking rock show. But uh, then I'll go into the, the next one, which <laughs> the first song that I ever heard from Wasp because it was the first video I saw. I don't need no doctor. I love this motherfucker right out the gate. I saw this, said, hey, man, I, I gotta fucking have this one. But when I saw that video, I was like, hell yeah. And I, I didn't know it was a cover. And the funny thing is that as much as I love this and the impact it had on me and made me a Wasp fan, after now knowing the live Humble Pie version of this song, that that's all I can live. I, mean, I, I almost kind of laugh at this version now compared to the heaviness of the Humble Pie version. That is just wipes the fucking floor with this. But also, Ray Charles was the first guy to record a version of this. This was written by Ashford and Simpson, uh, husband and wife uh, R&B songwriting team who did songs on their own as well. What do you think of I Don't Need No Dr. Ralph? Yeah, I think it's a great cover. Uh, yeah, I learned something every day. I thought this was a, a, a Humble Pie team. I thought they, they originally did it. I didn't know yeah. Charles and Ashford and, and Son did it. But anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a great fucking song. It's like a revamp. I was aware, because I do own Fillmore East, uh, Humble Pie Before, um, this album. It's a hand-me-down album I got from the late great George Royal, rest in peace. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, I love it. I think it's great. It, yeah, I agree. It's not even close to the original, but I don't. I wouldn't say it's laughable. You know, I think it, I think it's. It kind of stays true to it, to to as much as it could. But there is a metal twist to it, um, and uh, I can understand totally why they would release this as a single because every other song on here would not have the same impact like this song. Not even the other cover. Uh, this one's catchy and it's a great song. A great song is a great song. And I don't think Wasp fucked this up, but you know what, man? Wasp, when it came to 80s covers, when they did covers in the 80s, man, Hey Otis did a great cover of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't until I heard a uh, whole lot of Rosie where I said, oh, look, they dropped the ball. Uh, James? Uh, yeah, look, I agree with everything you, you guys said there. Um, I've actually never heard the Humble Pie version. Oh! No, never. I'm not. It's a band I'm not familiar with at all. But I will. I'll change that. You know, really oh, slow oh, down. Oh, oh, I don't mean. A, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off. But you want to see something that fucking rules? It's a yeah. guitar clinic. Uh, Paul Gilbert, had, where Rob oh. Halford showed up and they did this song. Oh, nice. Oh, I think it's definitely like, dude. It blows away this Wasp version badly. You gotta see Good. this. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Rob Hoffman, oh. Paul Gilbert. I don't need no doctor. Look at yeah. that fucking version. It's mind. Yeah, I'll check that out. It's yeah. Uh, look, it's a it's a great song. The, the melodies are killer in it. And what I what I like about it is, I love the drums in it. Um, Steve Riley's drums because like the bass, I find at certain points in this album, the, 
the drums are, are are low in the mix as well, except for the cymbals. The cymbals are really high, but the snare in parts is really low. But uh, I think the drumming's great on it. It's just a great. It's another great cover um, by the guys. Uh, I love the song. It's great. All right, ninety-five nasty. I'll take this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, keeping the tradition of sex, like a B sex action ball crusher. But lyrically, this song, those songs were rated X. This is more PG thirteen. Uh, musically, I can hang. I like the vibe. I like the introduction to keyboards, to wasp. It is a decent tune. But far from fuck me, suck me, eat me raw type wasp that I hold in such high regard. Um, but uh, it is a cool tune, and you know, 95 nasty means like, you know, phone sex. It's like a telephone number. Oh. Um, oh, I didn't and, know uh, that. I thought it meant like 925, you know, nasty, you know, saying that she was a working girl or something. That's what I always took from it. Um, I'm not sure. Let's ask the rock spongian. <laughs> yes. Is it, is it about fucking a phone number? That's what I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because of James' age and, and maybe uh, phone sex lines weren't as big uh, over in Ireland as they were here in the mid 80s. You know, it was kind of, that was a big well, deal when they first phones came. Phones weren't big over there either, right? Yeah. They just, <laughs> they just got them last week. James. Did you yeah. finish saying what you were going to say about this? Yeah, look, you just alluded to it. There is the lead sing- single from the album, and it, look, it's just a great uh, wasp suck me fuck me song. Um, you know, plenty of sexual innuendos, which I love in my uh, metal music. All right, well, uh, I, I love it. It's not one of their best, but but I dig it. But I mean, to me. <laughs> To me, uh, what I love about the most is, is the, the Chris Holmes guitar solo on this. He's a co-writer on this. I thought it was very good. And uh, it does bring back memories of uh, phone sex in the 80s here in America. And me in particular, I got in a lot of trouble with that. You did, you, you actually called? Oh, yeah, but you were a oh, oh, my God, dude. But, you know, everybody would steal one of their dads, you know, hustlers or playboys. And you would see the ad for these phone sex things. But not being that smart of a kid and not having a comprehension of money and what this shit cost, I ran up a $500 phone Holy number. mackerel. I came home one day, my grandmother screaming, what the fuck is this 900 shit? And, you know, my, you know, and being a grandmother, you know, she doesn't know what phone sex shit is. I, I I told her it was a Bears hotline, a Chicago Bears hotline, because <laughs> they actually did have one at the time where you could call and hear a message from the Chicago Bears because they just won the, the the fucking Super Bowl. Fuck. And then she, she called she called the Illinois Bell and found out differently. She was like, "That's no Bears hotline. That's a oh, dirty man. sex line." I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> the most the most expensive wank you ever had. Oh, oh, but you don't understand, though, man. I mean, I've always been a horny motherfucker. I was calling this motherfucker every night right before I go to bed. They would show ones on TV that yeah. were like, even that would be like a PG-13. I'm calling the shit out of the back of Hustler. Right. And, and, and then they had, like, so many different numbers. Talk to a black girl. Talk to a white girl. Talk to a blonde girl. Talk to a chick who's, you know, got a mouthful of cock. Talk to a chick who's got one in her ass. I called them all. You know? <laughs> Shit, I feel like calling them now. So, is is you're not even really talking 
at least the ones I called, it wasn't live. You know, it was like a woman, like a pre-recorded, like them basically reading. What? A Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh, that's bullshit. Oh, really, yeah, and, dude? And, Dude, I, I was 12, and sometimes, you know, and the whole thing is, it's so much the first minute, and then the minute after that, well, of course, there was the build-up, and I'd sit there, like, you know, clipping my nails, doing whatever, all right, get to the dirty show, okay, now, yeah, but yeah, I mean, think, think about what $500 is now, let alone what $500 was in 1986, but yeah, I mean, think, think about what $500 is now, let alone what $500 was in 1986, yeah, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention about ninety-five nasty. How stupid is uh, she? Wants my hot rocks right in her hand. Yeah, how the fuck did how the fuck did Blackie okay that one? Ah, all right. Take the next one. All right, James. What do you think of Restless Gypsy? Uh, this is tight. Is my favorite song on the album. It was my favorite for for years. Um, it uh, it sounds like so. It's just so typical '80s sound. Uh, it sounds like something that could have been on, you know, Days of Thunder or Top Gun soundtrack. But um, I just think it has beautiful lyrics. Uh, the melodies are really catchy, and Blackie he, he he harmonizes with himself, you know, in the chorus, um, different layers of of his own voice. But it works really really well. Um, I just I, I think it's a beautiful song. Um, and Chris Holmes as well, you know, I don't rate him that much, um, you know, as a guitar player, a metal guitar player from the 80s, but I think he does a really, really good job on the song. Um, as I said, Tide is my favourite song. Um, I just love it. Uh, so please don't shit all over it. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I, I definitely won't because I love this song. Nice. Uh, you know, more of like a a sensitive blackie uh, but yeah th that fucking voice and of course you know yeah. you brought up how they layer the vocals you know hey Blackie, who do you want to who blackie who do you want to sing backup oh me i'm the greatest <laughs> of all time uh, but he does he does have that voice that is so so rough and uh, <laughs> and 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 can be sensitive at the same time i mean yeah. but it's just it's a great album track with incredible vocals, always Blackie's strong suit. Not his writing, his singing. Uh, I dig it. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, the, uh, this song is the only song that shows maturity on this album. Uh, it, it's almost ballady, uh, and it has some great lyrics. Uh, if I was to compile my top ten WAF song, this would definitely make it. Nice. Uh, it's my favorite track off the album. Nice. Um, and uh, I've always loved this song. I have played it on my show, too. Um, I think it's a great song. And this actually does show where Blackie's going to go on much later albums. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, this this actually is a departure of all the stupidness that's all over this fucking album. And uh, I love it, man. And uh, that's all I got to say about this. So it's right to the point. Favorite track on yeah. the album. There's a couple that come close to this, though, coming up, actually. Yes. There's two other ones that I would say is a little, not not as good, but very close. Well, And one is very stupid. Well, coming up, we take a big swan dive. And, oh, boy. Or maybe, or maybe a belly flop into the stupidness, but I fucking love it, and that's shoot from the hip. 
Oh my! What a brainless! Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know, Nikki Six probably thinks this is one of the greatest songs ever written. Like, oh my God, look at that! You know, it, it, it's it's so stupid and '80s metal, and but I fucking love it. You know that whole bang boom. <laughs> you know, I just fuck yeah. I just picture myself twelve jerking off to some chick listening to the song in the background. Yeah, yeah. I'm shooting it from the hip for five ninety nine a minute. The first minute, ten ninety nine every other additional minute. Uh, but but it it works for me. This is uh, this is bread and butter wasp. Uh, you know, not as good as the stuff off the first two albums, but it has the same spirit. Now, uh, years later, they did an album where they tried to go back and reca- recapture the whole early wasp. You know, suck me, fuck me vibe. That was called Hell Dorado, and uh, aside from one or two tracks. It just failed miserably, and I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know where they went wrong, why they couldn't capture it again. I don't know if they just, you know, not in the same headspace as forty-year-olds trying to sound like fucking horny teenagers or, or what it was, but it didn't work there. You know, but, but you, see, was, you see, in Hell Dorado, you, right in the middle of all that stupidness, you had Damnation uh, Angel, right? Is that the name of the tune? Yeah, yeah, that was great, on there. That's great cool. fucking song. That's like Restless Gypsy. Like in right. the middle of that stupidness, right? But I mean, I mean, you, you know, you know, it was them trying to take a step back to say, "Hey, we're still the Wasp of old," but man, it didn't work. And and here's a, sh- you know, this is them still early in their career trying to harken back to, "Hey, we're still Wasp." You know, it's so funny that this is the song that follows "Restless Gypsy," which is a step forward. Uh, like I said, I still love the song. A great way to end side one. Uh, but I mean, you're not reinventing the wheel here. You're just putting another track on the album, and I'm sure this was written in all of fucking two minutes. But it works for me, you know. And and I like this out of Wasp. So there you go. What do you think, James? Of Shoot from the Hip? Yeah, I fucking love the song. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just full of chalk, full of sexual innuendos, and I love the hot and sticky. Here it comes, <laughs> and the. Uh, What's that other part? Uh, fucking uh, my emotions coming down all across your face. Like that's just fucking. That's just what I want to hear. Like I, I remember, I remember plugging this cassette in when I got it and listening to it from the first time. And I was like, yeah, he's talking about coming on some bitch's face. But uh, it's fucking. It's look. It's a great song. And it's again. It's it's something that could have come off the debut or or the last command. Um, it's perfect. Fucking fuck me, suck me song. Uh, a bit juvenile, um, and, and as you said, it's definitely a step back from <laughs> uh, Restless Gypsy. But for what it is, it's just a good kick-ass rock and roll song, and I, I love it. What about you, Ralph? I feel this song could have been much better. I feel it's lacking the quality metal that it actually begs for. Uh, it, it should have been injected with some metallic steroids. The second verse with "Put it in your hand." It's like a bit hokey, even for me. Lyrically, I think Blackie's sexual well has run dry. It could have been better what you have already done. Why bother, you know? I mean, he already did shit like this, like, you know. But he did, and as much as I don't hate this tune, uh, I would grade it a C, you know? I just think, I think, you know, the... the... Yeah, for cock! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or cum! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but 
it, you know, I, 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 like what you're talking about. Yeah, I dig like you know, the little innuendos. Though I do like Blackie when he's a little more to the point with you know, Lesbo Nymphomaniac. You know, I like shit like that a little more. You know, you know, but um, uh, I just feel like this song is like it's lacking what it deserves. I think uh, lyrically. It should have been musically a little more enticing for me. I just feel the music to this is kind of makes it suffer. So that's why I give it a C because I would give it an F if the lyrics were like really, really. I mean, it is. Don't get me wrong. It's fucking stupid, but not as stupid as the song I love coming up later. But uh, yeah, that's how I feel about this. I'll take the next one. We flip it over to I'm Alive, a song that I've also played on my radio show. This is one of the songs that I feel like is a little less as good as uh, Rest of Gypsy, but it's awesome. Now, this is the direction the whole album should have taken because the music is fucking great, yeah. you know? And it's a retaliation to the flack metal was getting from the Bible thumpers at the time. I've always loved this song. This was always a standout track for me when I first had it. Little did we know Blackie would turn into the Holy Rollers he sings about on this fucking song. But go ahead, go ahead. What do you think of I'm Alive? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love this one, too. I do think it's a standout track. Uh, he talked, uh, you know, after this album was released, they went on tour. He claimed that there was a bomb threat at every Wasp show except for uh, the closing night in at the Forum in L.A. Now, he, he reckoned he received death threats as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I Yeah, know, one I, one was from me. <laughs> but uh but no, I, I like this and, and, and you brought up a great point, uh, Ralph, where if the album was more like I'm alive and restless gypsy, uh you, you could have seen something that was a true growth, uh you know, but still retaining that wasp sound. I mean I, I still like it warts and all, but that would have been a stronger way uh, to do this album. And I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, this album killed Wasp because it was like the, the peak of their popularity. Uh, but when fans bought this one and it didn't do, you know, it wasn't what the first two were, uh, you know, not a lot of people showed up for Headless Children, which is a shame. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of people gave up on that, that were, you know, so in love with those first two records. Because and, and this album, this al this album, pretty much did what the first two did, but in a more safer way and musically, it's very dumbed down. I I, I don't know, but I I still I still love this album, and I'm alive is great. But the next one, uh, I think, is another sign of what I mentioned earlier: how this was written and recorded in uh, nine weeks. Because you see a second uh, single, and and that's what their cover of Uriah Heep's easy living now uh i didn't hey i didn't speak about i'm alive oh i'm sorry <laughs> you trying to go cut ahead. me out <laughs> go ahead i'm it's, alive it's... and i'm pretending you're not here <laughs> um yeah and and i want to speak about this one because this, this okay. is actually tied as my favorite song on the album um now i'm not sure you know the whole pmrc debacle and was it before the yeah, album came yeah, out or after yeah. no it was before. yeah because I, 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 I always took it that it was maybe a, a nod to uh, the board housewife, Tipper Gore, um, 
you know, especially on the, the opening line of the song where it says, uh, the target is me, the monster you flee. I always thought, you know, it had, uh, I didn't know it was to do with the Bible bashers. I always thought it was a kind of a two finger salute to the PMRC. Well, you know, in the song it says, damn you, holy man alive. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. I think it's a little bit of both, though. Yeah, I yeah, no, no, it, yeah, it. yeah, he, he's coming both, you know, but, well, I think more it inspired him to write it, but there were also Bible thumpers attacking, well, not just Wasp, but, you know, every fucking metal band, and Prince, you know, and Madonna. Uh, there were a lot of uh, preachers, I, I mean, I have some of that shit on video, you know, like the satanic... Um, uh, specials at these church things. I, I, I taped them. They're fucking great. Uh, all right, go. Well, Ian, you started talking about the next one, so keep going. Yeah, like I said, uh, to me, this shows signs of you know the, the wells kind of dry, which which is funny when you think about it because there is twelve songs, which you know most most albums were about ten back in the day because everything was you know for vinyl, and I just I don't see why you need two covers on this record. Now, uh, I Blackie. Blackie, yeah, I, I get that. Um, Blackie is a huge Uriah Heap fan, and uh, Ken Hensley, who wrote this song, was the keyboard player for Uriah Heap, would play keyboards on the following studio album, uh, Headless Children. Uh, I just, I like some Uriah Heap, but uh, this one, it was a, it was a hit for Uriah Heap, but I never really cared for the original. Uh, but listen to this today before we did the review. I gotta say, I might like the Wasp version more, but I'm still not huge on it. But uh, I think he did a decent cover because he made me enjoy it more than the original. So for that alone, he should get, you know, a nod. But uh, I, I think this album could have well done without this song. What do you think, Ralph? I love it. I love this song. I, like I say, I love every cover these fuckers did. And I love when Blackie's screaming in the middle section. I have nothing bad to say about it. This is another great example of how they really didn't do uh, good covers. If I was in control of this album, I would I would have kept this on it and uh, Restless Gypsy and I'm Alive, but would have made them go back and work on the others to make it as great as these three tracks. Well, you know, and I don't need a doctor to. Well, actually, I, 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 out of both covers, I think I would prefer I don't need a doctor. But, right. Um, but I still love Easy Living. I love the original, too. I've always liked that song. All right. Well, who wants to take... Everybody talk about Easy Living? No, James me. Uh, oh. Yeah. I mean... Hey, look. You know James is doing a show with us, right, Ian? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, you guys have basically covered everything. Um, the fact that there's two uh, cover songs on here does puzzle me a bit. And... You know, if I had my way, I would have actually taken this out and put um, a, one of the bonus tracks on the album instead. I think there's a better song there that should have been on, but it's a good, you know, it's a, I'm, like I'm familiar with the Uriah Heap version and it's a good cover, but um, uh, I love the gallop and ripping it, rip, riff rather, and uh, I like the drums and it. it's a good song. It's uh, just another great Wasp cover. All right, All right well, uh, Sweet Cheetah. Why don't you take it, James? Yeah, I love this song. Um, but it, again, the the drums and the bass are just... They're not audible enough in it for me. Um, but I, I do love the song. Um, I'm not a fan of Chris Holmes' uh, 
guitar player playing in it, I find it just very generic um, and lazy. Um, Chris tends to recycle a lot, of, a lot of, you know, he does a while lot of, and that, you know, it's full of it in the song. But you know, that's the only, you know, diss I can give it. But the, the song as a whole, I think, is really good. Um, but it's just the fucking drums and bass, the mix on this album in parts are terrible, and that really bugs me. But uh, it's a decent song. Uh, what do you think, Ian? Um, well, you, you described Chris Holmes playing on this as lazy and generic, and yes. that—that's how I would describe the song as a whole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this this is um, total filler, but it's not. Uh, to me, it's filler in the vein of Judas Priest. Uh, not that this sounds like Judas Priest at all, but I mean, there's plenty of songs like this in their catalog. It's a filler track but it's not bad enough to make me skip you know i never like oh fuck i can't listen to sweet cheetah oh you know um it's it's passable again here you know it's so easy to see nine weeks perfectly explains why sweet sweet cheetah's on this album but it's not horrible but it is totally forgettable you would never like if you're trying to get somebody into wasp oh you gotta hear sweet cheetah yeah. Or hey, I'm gonna put on Electric Circus. Oh fuck it, go straight to Sweet Cheetah. Yeah, you know it's just it's it's there, but it's tolerable. I'll give it yeah. that. What do you think, Ralph? It's like Restless Gypsy's Retarded Stepchild. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a bad song, but we already have a song like this on the album. I feel the song should have replaced the weak track off Last Command. Uh, here it's just a repeat from Restless Gypsy and not really doing it for me as far as an album track for this album. Um, overall, it's not bad, but it is a downgrade. I, I just don't feel like... Yeah, like what Ian said, it's not something I would point at, hey, you gotta check out Suchita. It's something that if it didn't exist, I wouldn't have cared. But at the same time, it's not terrible. You know, it's, it's whatever. But, you know, it's kind of like just a repeat. It, it reminds me a lot of, of Restless Gypsy, but... Uh, a lazy version of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I feel about this. All right, I'll go into the next one. Mantronic. Hey. <laughs> this song is so fucking stupid, I can't help but love it. Now, nice. this is like the chest-beating type of song I love. Not like today when I ha- when you have, you have people on stage going, I'm a badass and I can kick your ass. This is more like, I'm a badass and I will fuck your ass. <laughs> This fantasy sexual bionic monster is so fucking retarded, I can't help but say, fuck yeah! Because <laughs> let's face it, perverted people think stupid shit like this, uh, you know, to enhance a sexual fantasy, a sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Then, then add stupid ass lyrics, Mantronic, I'm on the loose, bionic, my neck in a noose. What the fuck does that mean? That means it's so fucking awesomely stupid. Great fucking track. Stupid as fuck. But I fucking salute Mantronic. It's so bad. It's fucking amazingly awesome. I put this as one of the top tracks on the album. Yes, I do agree. It's stupid. But I love it. Love Mantronic. And I did. I remember this one as a kid. And I used to make fun of it. I was like... Man, try, but secretly, I mean, I wasn't even secretly. 
I would like listening to this tune going, man, I love how stupid this shit is. This is awesome. So yeah, I, I fucking love this song. But I am very well aware it's stupid. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, That's why I up. love Kiss Meets the Phantom, bro. Same reason. <laughs> yeah, look, it is. Uh, I'll agree with you there, Ralph. It's stupid as fuck. Um, you know, like for a long time, I was like, "What the fuck is this cunt talking about? Is he is he referring to himself as like being this big sex robot, uh, which he he is? But um, it's, the the theme of the song's fucking ridiculous. But like, I love the acoustic. Uh, Acoustic guitar at the beginning. Oh yeah, that's then... another thing I love about. I forgot about that. I didn't yeah. put that in my notes. I love the fact that it starts like a ballad. Yeah. And then it goes and then into you're like what? The then fuck? it goes into this pure stupidity, and then in the middle it goes back into like a little melting. It's like God, just when you thought they couldn't get dumber, they throw like little ballady shit through it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like oh that's look, looking... look, the bionic monsexual being has feelings. <laughs> yeah. It's like ooh, and it's ready to fuck you in the ass, fucking Steve Austin the big, style. The big iron cock. It's like I'm gonna grab that pussy and tear it apart, and then don't worry, we'll rebuild it. We got the technology. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but uh, no, look, I, I like then when uh, Chris Holmes, when the electric guitar comes in, then before the first verse, um, it's. Yeah, it's it's a great song, but it just makes no sense. It's a bit dumb. Um, I like uh, the only thing about Chris Holmes is sometimes I wish he would change up the tone a bit. It's the same, you know, through more or less the first three albums. Um, but Mantronic is the song, as you said, it's dumb, <laughs> but I, I fucking love it. <laughs> Mantronic, oh. god damn it, Steven. <coughs> oh so, my god. So um, awesome, my notes for this. So bad it makes me giggle. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know what he's talking about. It's like, Mantronic, Steve Austin is bionic, yeah. Snoop, Snoop Dogg smokes the chronic. You know, like, what the fuck is this shit? But it is, it's so dumb, it's metal. My neck and in it, a noose. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it, it perfectly reminds me of like uh, a, a Judas Priest song because some of those great, great Judas Priest songs, if you just read those lyrics, you'd be like, what the fuck? You, you know, put this kid on the short bus. But when you put the guitars and the drums and the vocals behind it, all of a sudden, you know, your fist is in the fucking air and you're like, yeah! Hey, you think That's you a- think my neck in a noose has to do with audio? What, what do they call that, that, that when they hang themselves and jack off? Like the way David Carradine died. Auto fixation. Yeah. yeah. Ma- Michael Hutchins as yeah, well. Yeah. Hutchins, yeah. 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 Fucked up. And I heard that's also how Abraham Lincoln died. I heard it wasn't in the movie. It theater, wasn't John right? Booth. Oh, okay. No. 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 I heard he was, he was jacking off. And, uh, and <laughs> he, he, he was he was jacking. They, they didn't have uh, 900 sex numbers there. He had to get it by, like, Pony Express. So, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. He it, jacked it took off a the, long time. He jacked off the smoke signals. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he fucking died before he heard the ending and came. He went. He went before he came. Yeah, you learn uh, something every day on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We give you American history. Yes, drunk American <laughs> history. Oh God, Mantronic. Yes, yeah, so horrible. It's great, and and that's what separates it from the next song that's just plain horrible. Oh. 
Oh my God, King of Sodom and Gomorrah! Holy, this man. this is truly uh, Motley Crue level bad. This shit, this shit should have been on Girls, Girls, Girls. It's that fucking horrible, uh, man. Like really, you're really running out of shit here. And that's, I think, another problem with this album. It is, it's definitely front loaded. You know, uh, like yeah. man, they 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 put a lot of good shit on on the first side. And second side starts out good and then just goes, you know. And maybe they should have spaced it out a little bit more because you can definitely see the dip inside two of this. Uh, this one I definitely think uh, should have been left off the album and replaced with a song that ended up as a B-side. Uh, this one really does nothing. By far, I think, the worst song on the album. What do you think, James? Yeah, look, I agree. It's my least favorite. Um, it should have been left off. It, there's no, um, there's nothing positive I can say about the song, really. Um, and I didn't even know who the fuck the king of Sodom and Gomorrah was, but I checked it up, and supposedly Sodom and Gomorrah is cities mentioned in the book of Genesis, and it's in like the, whatever they call the Hebrew Bible and these other holy books. Um, but it just makes it's just. That's Huh? The Torah, I believe. The Torah, yeah, and the Quran too, I think. But that's, um, that's for Muslims. <laughs> yeah, I think they have it too. But um, look, I can't say anything positive about it. It's I haven't listened to it fully, and not even doing this review. I think I lasted about um, about a minute or two into it before I skipped it. Um, and I, I don't like. That's what Christmas. your wife said. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Holmes as well. I'm not a fan of his guitar, and I think it's lazy. It's just, it's not even filler. It was just put on there for the sake of it. Uh, not a fan of it at all. So, Ralph. Yeah, this song is stupid as fuck. It's mm. like Mantronic, but it doesn't tickle my inner retard. Yeah, no, so Mantronic big, has the good parts. You know, it's like it's like Mantronic with a history lesson. You know, it's a weak <laughs> track that is just there taking up space. You know. <laughs> It would have been better on a Poison album. Yeah. Now, if they call it the story of sodomy and Mantronic, I would have talked <laughs> yeah. to that. Nah, that, yeah. that. There should be a secret. Fuck, I'm writing that fucker. I should cover <laughs> Mantronic. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Alex. See if he can... Hey, Alex, let's do yeah. Mantronic. As a B-side, actually. You know? I would never put this on an official album. Actually, I, I, don't, I don't believe in putting cover songs on my album because... I'm not a big fan of getting sued. So, uh, yeah, I, I really, come on, man. I mean, this, I mean, you guys covered it pretty well. This shit ain't even worth uh, to be a B-side. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's just terrible. terrible. It's terrible, and it's probably this song alone was the one that made me stop going back to this album because it's just so bad. And, yeah, I heard it last night, and I was like, oh, my God. This is yeah. so terrible. And, and also, if you listen closely... It borrows the bridge of of Restless Gypsy. Uh, listen to it. Listen to Restless Gypsy. Listen to this. It has the same fucking bridge, the same fucking bridge. Uh -oh. It's like you know, I really like what I did to Restless Gypsy. Let's throw it into this turn so I can give it something good. You know, but it well, that, 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 that's one thing they're guilty of doing bigger than shit. Yeah, I mean, what was that oh one? Oh my we god! Did? No, when, later when we... albums. There's one that sounds identical to Wild Child. There's another one that sounds yeah. identical, I want to be somebody, and there's another one that sounds identical to Love Machine. 
but yeah. I don't know those songs. But I, I, I've heard them. But I don't. It, it's like right. nowadays, if he wants to be original, he just rips off the Who. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's really the well's dry. Holy fuck! Does this song stop? All right, uh, stop. I'll go to the technically the last track. We'll go into the B sides. Uh, the rock rolls. Forgettable played out song about how cool rock is. Yes, we know. I've heard it a million times before. Done better. It seems put together quickly with a tired out lyric that does not grab me at all. Musically as well. A total throwaway bland song that uh, just seems, just doesn't even seem to try really. It's kind of like the little choo-choo train that can't. <laughs> That's what it says in my notes. That's right. All right, James, what do you think? Yeah, look, it's filler. Um, there's no two two ways about it. Uh, it's, I don't think it's horrible. It's not bad, but um, it's I enjoy it for what it is. It's, I mean, it's just straightforward. It has the same progression the whole way through it, um, but it's filler, um, and it's mediocre filler at that. You know, you, you have good filler and bad filler, and it's somewhere in between. Um, not not a, It's okay. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it's just very repetitive and uh, it just doesn't really do it doesn't do anything for me um, so it's one of the blemishes on the album um, it, it could have been it should have been a uh, bonus track to be honest um, and replace it with something else but uh, look it is what it is yeah what after you King of Sodom it's pretty good well yeah. after that yeah, it's a, it's a fucking no, masterpiece I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there Ralph uh I, I didn't put as much hate down for this one as I did King of Sodom, but I think that's only because King of Sodom came first. And uh, again, a prime example of, man, if they would have cut this off at 10 and the album ended with Mantronic. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, that opus, an opus ending. Ser- seriously, though. If, if, I uh, agree. You know, you, you know, if you cut the last two tracks off, then really, you know, the only one we really kind of bag on is Sweet Cheetah like if that's your worst and you cut those two off, you got a stronger album. Uh, yeah, so that's the end of uh, the original album. But uh, you know, being the wasp nut swinger I am, when they did put out the remasters in '97, I went and bought each and every one of those motherfuckers. So did I. And uh, this Thank one, you. this one brings two songs that I love better than. The last two we just talked about. But, uh, James, you're a guest. Why don't you talk about the B-side of the American single for 95 Nasty, Flesh and Fire. Yeah, Flesh and Fire. Uh, to be honest, I can't understand why this wasn't on the album. Uh, this is what this is one of the tracks that I would swap out. Um, I take off King of Sod- Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, or even not to have two covers, I would take off... Uh, you know, easy living, and put this on. It's just a fucking killer track. The there's a great riff in it. The drumming's brilliant in it, and uh, I love the way Blackie he screams the verses, and then he goes back to the harmonies, and then on this really uh, catchy chorus, um, another fuck me suck me song. Um, it's what I want on a Wasp record, uh, and it should have made the final cut of the album. Um, I just like was it a case that it was this was written. You know, was this not written in the inside the Electric Circus sessions? You know, and maybe that's why it wasn't on. But I think it's a fucking great song. Um, if this was on the album, it would be it would be my second favorite song after uh, 
Restless Gypsy and uh, I'm Alive. I love this song. I think it's great. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think you brought up a great point. Uh, that's interesting. Was it not completed in time for the album? Hmm. Uh, because, yeah, definitely a, a stronger track. Yeah. And, 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 and yet still, I wouldn't call it a great track, but compared to some of, uh, you know, you could, you know, interchange this with Sweet Cheetah, King of Sodom, Rock Rolls On, and uh, it, it just would have been a stronger album. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm a fan of a lot of uh, Wasp B-sides, I, I think, are a lot stronger than some of the album tracks, especially, uh, and I know Ralph and I disagreed on this, but I liked almost all of the B-sides on uh, Headless Children. I thought, you know, definitely mm. could have replaced some of the weaker songs on that. Uh, and this just holds up that tradition. I, I, I think it's a solid song. Not great, but uh, but definitely solid and, and better than shit, you know, three or four of the songs on this album. Yeah. What do you think, Ralph? Musically, I do I do agree with you guys. I think it's a good track, but <laughs> the I'm the pitcher and you're the catcher and I ain't talking about baseball. Yeah, makes that's my dumb. In, yeah, makes my inner retard say, man, it's dumb. Yeah. Other than that, it, it's your typical was sexual song uh, that's more PG-13 than, than the rest, like the rest of this album. Uh, it's all little innuendos using baseball references into sexual. I don't know, man. I prefer dumbass lyrics about a bionic pervert. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I would replace, yeah, I'd definitely replace, like, a, a sweet, a sweet Cheetah, King of Sodom, Rock... The rock rolls, you know. I'll put that, you know, in here instead. Or even shoot to. I, I like it even more than shoot from the hip. But wow. It's still not fucking. It doesn't really tickle my sphincter like a bionic <laughs> pervert would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go to the next one, the final one, douchebag blues. <clears throat> it's amusing and funny, but this just doesn't seem like a song to me. It's not something I would not. I would not put this on my Wasp comp because it could have been much better as an electrified bluesy tune with a full band. This version sounds like a shitty demo and it's a shame because it deserves the full treatment. The bluesy solo, you know, it's fucking terrible. This just seems like something. Well, actually, it is something that was fucking recorded on the home video. You know, during right. the credits of In the Raw, they're playing it to a video camera, and that's what that's what it is. You know, uh, it's the full version because it, it cuts out on the video. But this is something that they just did in front of a camera, like a goof. But honestly, if they would have like electrified it, made it bluesy, and thrown it on the album, it would have been one of the top tracks for me. But I think it's uh, it, it really pisses me off because this is this could have been a good song. But it's just a throwaway. They didn't really put no effort into it. That's how I feel about these guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, I fucking love it. Uh, and, and I love it just the way it is. But I was a huge fan of the videos in the Raw VHS. I just picture using a bottle of Jack as a slide, you know, when you're doing this. I love that, you know, soda, uh, whiskey to the Indians, you know, weapons to the Jews and shit and... I, I don't know. I, I dig the whole vibe of it, but it's always it always puts a smile on my face. So every I can never hear this without thinking of that home video and 
thinking about how many times I went to the video store and would rent it, you know, and unfortunately, it's never been put out on DVD or Blu-ray. I've got a copy I got off the internet that, you know, looks like it came off of VHS, you know, and somebody <laughs> forgot to adjust the tracking. I've always loved Douchebag Blues. What do you think, James? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not a fan of this at all, um, and I'm glad it didn't make the album. Um, I, I, I kind of look at it, you, you know, it's like they're you know, tongue-in-cheek joke songs. Something like, you know, I used to love her, but I had to kill her, but just not as good. Um, I just think that it's retarded, um, and it would have spoiled the album if it had a, made it onto it. Um, it's a song. Even, but the thing is, they didn't record this at all. This yeah, yeah. Even, you know, yeah. this was just something, and, and, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I could be wrong, but this was definitely, that in the Raw video, it was like, what, a year or two after this album was uh, done. Well, well, no, no. Uh, the the video came out the next year because they released the album live in the raw, and then at the same time they put out the video videos in the raw. Both came out in '87, the yeah, year after. So it's like this wasn't even thought yeah, of. It was, yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a B side uh, on a single or anything. <clears throat> it was never released on. You know, you couldn't listen to it without the video until this remaster came out yeah, and they just, just put it on there because it's from this area era they did it you know backstage after one of their shows on this tour which it should have yeah. been a b-side on the live album if you really think about it because it was really from that era yeah you're right yeah. which i love that fucking album that album has a lot of cool b-sides oh yeah and then you're right about the bonus tracks because uh they got the that awesome acoustic version of Sleeping in the Fire. And and uh, isn't Widowmaker on there live? Wid Widow Widowmaker, Sex Drive, and Shoot from the Hip, a live yeah, version. Yeah, Sex Drive, too, man. That's awesome. I love that song. All right. Awesome. Okay, we're done. All, all right. Well, this album was released uh, October. I don't have the actual date, but October of 1986. Uh, took a dive in the charts. It only made it to number 60, I, I believe... Uh, uh, Last Command did better than that. And I don't know if it's gone gold or not. Uh, it was self-produced by Blackie Lawless, but man, he had a lot of help because you got fucking three engineers on here, uh, uh, two different guys uh, mixing it. You know, like he had a lot of help. He just put his stamp on there. But a lot of other people had to come in and probably do the more technical aspects yeah. of, of production. But... Uh, you know, it, it's got a special place in my heart. I, I hold it in higher esteem than it actually is. But, I mean, it, it's it's a moment that made me who I am as a metal fan. My next, you know, part of, of going to find the heavier shit. And something that helped cemented me as heavy metal being my all-time favorite form of fucking music. So, uh, just for that alone, it, it, it's so important to me. But, uh... They've definitely made better records, but you know what? They made a lot worse, too, so yeah. there you go. All right. You got a pick of the week? All right. Well, James, you are our guest, so go first yeah. with your pick of the week. Well, my pick of the week is actually an album that just dropped on Thursday. Um, now, I'm not too sure how familiar you guys are with this band, but the band is Thunder. And uh, they've released a killer new album called uh, Rip It Up. Uh, just I pre-ordered a signed vinyl by the whole band. Now, it hasn't come yet, but I got the digital download on day of release. And uh, it's just classic uh, hard rock. Um, great guitar work, great 
vocals, um, just an outstanding album. And Thunder, if for those that aren't aware of it, are a band from England that came at the tail end of the 80s, signed to um, Geffen Records uh, in the States, you know, who at the time had Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses and Nirvana. But just when Thunder were dropping their first album in the US is when Nirvana blew up. And it just, you know, if they had to be two or three years earlier, they would have been... Uh, they would have been a big band and it's such a shame that it just didn't work out for them but if you go back in their back back catalogue it's just some killer killer music like Stephen Kirsch is a big fan of them and oh, a few yeah. other a few other guys on our uh, on our on your uh, the Rock and Metal Combat podcast group are fans as well um, they're coming near me now next month and I'm going to see them and uh, but that's my pick of the week the new album by Thunder uh, rip it up it's amazing you got a pick of the week I sure do all right. All right. Uh, this one goes out to you, Ian, because you, you always play typo on your fucking show. Oh. You, know, you love typo so much, and I'm like, fuck that band. Seriously. It's a chick goth band. But I love you, Ian, regardless. I'm not doing this to argue with you, bro. Seriously. But, you know, I don't like typo the same reason you don't like Van Hagar. Well, the same reason I don't like Van Hagar. Because I'm a huge fan of Carnivore. And I love what they were before typo. And it's like such a, uh, and let me tell you something, I know my typo, because there's so many girls I've had sex with that wanted to hear Bloody Kisses, and that one album with my girlfriend's girlfriend. October and, Rust. Yeah, yeah, that, I've heard that, I've heard those albums so many times, during sex, by the way. And yeah, I guess it's pretty good for sex, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concentrating too much on the badge, but, um. <laughs> like Phil and Semo says it in their home video. He's, he's fucking with Peter Steele. He's like, it's the chicks that love it, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, chicks love Typo. And, and they love it because, you know, Peter Steele showed his schlong on a fucking... I know so many girls that love Typo Negative. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell you a funny story. I got to say this story. I saw uh, one time I went to go see Solstice, you know, which features Alex Marquez and Ryan, our guitar players, their singer. And they do a cover of Suck My Dick that's off Retaliation. The, my pick of the week and Ryan says on stage he goes this next song it was it was uh, the anniversary of Peter Steele's death and he goes this is going out to Peter Steele's dad today fuck that typo negative shit and fucking Alex is like yo bro don't be saying that he's like oh yeah my bad my bad <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious that little thing but I am a big fan of the first album in the retaliation before typo ever came out I think it's fucking hilarious, you know, the USA for USA and, uh... Yeah. I know. love God is Dead. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. This whole album has so many great fucking songs, you know. Uh, and, um, the Subhuman demo. I, I love the, the the demos that come with it, you know. Well, I thought it was so weird. On the first album, they put shit from the second album. On the second album, they put demos from the first album. Yeah. Like, Carnivore is, like, my favorite song from them. I'm a meat eater. I'm a meat eater. <laughs> I love that shit. That shit cracks me up. But I feel like Retaliation was a, was like even better. But I love the first one. Don't get me wrong. Male supremacy and shit like that. But um, it's so politically correct, uh, incorrect. You know, your Jesus Hitler and, you know, just so many great fucking songs on this shit. And, uh, you know, the one thing is like that Jack Daniels and pizza, I always skip. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, but it's like, oh, why do I want to hear a guy puke? 
But, hey, uh, we, hey, hey, we got that out of one of our episodes. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm a big Carnivore fan. But I will say one thing positive about Typo Negative. I have never heard a band cover a Black Sabbath song better than what they did with the song Black Sabbath. Amazing. Because they made it their original. It sounds like it's done in a laboratory. And it's just such a great, great cover, you know? But, yeah, I, and I've seen Carnivore three times. And, oh, wow. And, you know, open for Pantera, uh, Ozfest, and headline um, a club. And they just do nothing for me now. Oh, okay, typo, not Carnivore. I'm sorry. I've never seen Carnivore. Okay. I've never seen Carnivore. Yeah. I wish. All right, well, my pick of the week is... Uh, an album I was very happy when I when I heard it, man. And I'm talking about the new Creator album. Gods oh yeah! Oh yeah. fuck! Yeah, those guys been on a roll too. And let me tell you something. Yeah. I think this one's even better than the last three, and I love the last three. Yeah, uh, I really love it, man. I, I you know I heard a couple tracks off it, and uh, when I got it the other day. Uh, put it on, listen to it from start to finish, and I was like, wow, you know? And I like all different eras of Creator. You know, even even in the 90s when they did some weird shit, uh, you know, it's weird considering that being Creator, but I gotta admit, you know, I, I liked a lot of those songs, but this is Creator doing what they were created to do. Uh, you know, putting out good quality thrash, and um, like I said, I know a lot of people can't take Sepulchre without Max, but I love the new Sepulchre album, uh, was it Metal Messiah, or some yeah. shit like that. Uh, I think it's a very strong album that I would recommend to people who, you know, won't give this era a try. Try this one, because it's really good thrash. And uh, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week, and something I've been liking to do recently, uh, A, because I'm lazy and drunk, and B, I just think it's interesting. Uh, James, I would like to give it to you to pick a fan of the week. And now it can be, you know, it, it's okay if they were previously a fan of the week. But, you know, you being, you know, part not part of the show all the time, but part of the family. Uh, somebody that posts on the page that, that you always look forward to or somebody that makes you laugh or maybe somebody that turned you on to, uh, you know, to some new music or something. Or just somebody who stands out to you in the great Rock and Metal Combat podcast family. Oh man, you put me on the spot now. Um, look, there's, just, there's so many great people. Dude, I'm here. Um, <laughs> oh, you can't. You're, you're the owner. You can't be fan of the week. Uh, to be honest, if I have to pick, if I can pick somebody that was fan of the week before, I'm going to have to pick Justin Childers because that guy just fucking cracks me up. Um, and he's actually, you know, he's turned me on to some, some music as well. And uh, I just think he's a great guy and he's funny. And uh, I, I give it to him. You know, you know what's the most shocking thing of Justin Childers for me is when he actually likes something I like. Shocking. <laughs> it's like everything he loves, I'm like, God, that's so mediocre. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying we really differ a lot in everything. Like the the the, the people we find. I mean, CC Deville's a great guitar player. This guy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, he he's been here for a long time, and uh, everybody knows who he is. You know, at least on Facebook. I'm sure he has no friends in real life, but we love him here at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. So, yep. Justin Childers, you are honorary, once again, fan of the week. Enjoy i got to say, week. I am jealous about one thing about Justin. Uh, yesterday, yesterday in, in the chat room, Mark said he loved me, but he hated Justin. 
<laughs> and I envy Justin because of that. <laughs> we'll keep working on it. <laughs> Make another video. <laughs> All right, well, James, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you let people know where they can uh, check you out? Yeah, yeah, you can catch me every Wednesday, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thatmetalstation.com for my show, Mind Over Metal. Um, also join my Facebook uh, group of the same name and uh, have a lot of fun um, doing the show on a Wednesdays and uh, hope to see you all there. I got I to gotta also endorse that show. That show is so good uh, when I'm around, but uh, I'm around, I make it a point to tune in. And he really does play the good shit. Is, uh, Thank you. Your, your, your playlist is always top-notch and shit I love. So, you know, I'm yeah. sure Justin and, won't like your show. And yes. I've got to admit, usually uh, when I get off work, I have a daily call to Bill Wing. And we, and we shoot the shit. But on Wednesdays, I don't call him because your show's on the air. And, and, and he knows this, man. I always tune in. And I was very surprised because, you know, Knowing that your favorite band's Guns N' Roses, I thought you were gonna play a lot of shit that sucks. But <laughs> but you 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 play a lot of heavy stuff on your show, and I was really blown yeah. away. I, I seriously, I thought it was gonna be like Bushy 2.0, where <laughs> it was gonna be all cock. And Bushy, goddammit, I love your show, you son of a bitch. But uh, but no, seriously, I thought it was gonna be all that. You know, I did not know you were into, you know, a oh, lot of yeah. the heavier shit. Man, you you play you play Venom and yep. Creator, all this, all this shit, man. You mix all kinds of shit. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 gonna hear anything from vicious rumors to to fucking accept to you know even bad company every now and again. You know, um, I like I love, I just love all types of rock and metal. All right, well, it is a great show. It definitely has our seal of approval. Thank you yes, so much. Yes, sir. Tune in, man. Rule and join the Cheers. chat too. All right, yes. man. Let's go into the plugs. Ear pillar the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about you haven't listened to mars attacks podcast what are you waiting for man host victor m ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal based podcasts you'll find everything from music based episodes interviews to series such as ultra sexy classic album series where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. <laughs> Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcasts. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podcast. 
Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey, everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this wasp-tastic episode, come back next week. When we have a co-host, we can understand Marlene Matlin joins us. <laughs> oh! As we talk about the new creator album I love so much, Gods of Violence. No, no, yes. no, 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 no. That's, that's next week. Welcome back again. That's terrible, Ian. I know. I'm terrible. I'm a bad, bad man. No, it's like Mantronic. <laughs> it's so bad, it's great. <laughs>